When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Enders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Now in your favorite podcast app, Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Noom Weight uses psychology to help people everywhere learn about their eating habits. Eating is my love language? Yep, sure is. Uh, I say yes to seconds out of guilt. It's hard to say no to Aunt Jenny's banana pudding. Wait, I do what? Oh, fog eating happens to everybody. What the? F- we know. It can be a lot to take in, but with the help of Noom Weight, you'll learn the psychology behind your eating habits, how to change them, and get closer to reaching your weight loss goals. Sign up at Noom.com. Mirror mind, mirror mind, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror mind. Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Today, I am here with a new guest. Welcome, Dom. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Dom, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, state those Arsenal credentials. Yeah, so uh, I'm Dom Daniel. Um, I've um, been to a bunch of games uh, growing up. So actually, funnily enough, uh, really good friends with Gavin Hoy and Jay Simpson. Um, I don't know, you know, maybe the hardcore Arsenal fans remember those guys. Uh, like Henry Lansbury as well. Randomly, me and Jay Emmanuel Thomas go to the same barber and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we're all kind of good friends. Um, so, you know, youth games, going to watch those guys, et cetera. And then I guess more from a kind of business point of view, I've kind of made my career working for sports 
sporting goods companies. So I've been at Adidas internally. So I started off in London, uh, working for like the more entertainment side and then moved up to Stockport where the head office is and worked with those guys on uh, communications. So right in the thick of things with individual sport, team sports, so rugby, cricket, etc., as well as football. Um, and then um, kind of moving on, working more agencies where I've also worked with Nike, um, been in-house at Copper 90 as well. So a big, huge, um, for those who don't know, Copper 90 is a huge kind of for fans, by fans kind of platform um, bred on, on, on YouTube. So, yeah, a whole raft of sort of things. And, and, and I, I currently now I work at an advertising agency uh, where I kind of head up the relationship we have with Adidas, but more on the original side. So, for again, those who don't know, the original stuff is more the, the clobber you might wear to the pub with your mates kind of thing. Uh, obviously, when you've got the sports side, which is obviously the, the kits and the gym wear and all that kind of stuff. So you've got some pretty good, pretty good credentials. Bit of uh, yeah. bit of everything in there. Bit of everything in there. Yeah, I've been I've been quite lucky. It's uh, it's quite good actually. I think now I'm uh, kind of getting to maybe more the peak of my career. It's quite nice to now pick and choose some of those bits, um, which is why also uh, I'm doing a sports directorship course um, from Manchester Met. Uh, with some some good names in there. We'll probably come on to that a bit later. Um, but it's really interesting how now some clubs are kind of looking for sporting directors who have no kind of real kind of football um, credentials, as it, i.e. not an international footballer. Um, so it's really interesting that all these kind of uh, board level or these kind of, kind of conversations that I've been in throughout my career um, now kind of dovetail into hopefully... Uh, being a good uh, candidate for the sporting director uh, course, so really excited about that as well. Oh, that's great! So we're so we originally got in contact because I saw the latest Arsenal Adidas video um, that launched last week to launch the uh, I don't know what you call it, the Raspberry Ripple kit or the <laughs> you know the marbled kit. I thought it was awesome, what? and I wanted to know what it was like to work on an incredible sporting account like that and if anybody knew anybody or had worked on it to get in touch so now we're in touch yeah so uh what 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 do you think of the the kit i know you like the advert but what do you think of the the kit itself i i I like it and you know it's um i i find the the conversation that goes on about kits uh, like really interesting like i i completely agree that you know there should be elements of tradition in there but iconic kits don't happen by sticking to traditions. You know, the bruised banana kit was an abomination when it came out, and now it's one <laughs> yeah. of the most iconic away kits ever. But I, I like it. I mean, I, I, I would love to see Adidas do something with the gold kit um, yeah. again because I, I feel like I don't. I, I thought Puma were going to do it, but they, you know, they didn't really do it justice. Uh, what did yeah. you? What did you think of the shirt? Um, I I liked it. It's kind of you know you see all those kind of leaked photos and stuff doing the rounds and stuff. Um, and I must admit, I did think when I saw it, oh, that's a you know a, a, a sample, a test one or something. It didn't quite look finished. Maybe it was the quality of the photo or something. Um, but now it's kind of it's kind of grown on me. I do like it. It does. It looks less marble floor and a bit more uh, warrior like. Like it looks like blood strewn to me but um uh, i do like the whole um 
the concept behind it. I think that's made me like it more. So I'm I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. I think seeing the ad and seeing the whole kind of history and um, the concept come to life actually really really liked it and you work in advertising so I'm sure uh, you you kind of can grasp on how that kind of worked you know they probably had the meeting and um, Adidas have probably kind of talked a bit about history you need something that kind of links us back to our history something that we're really proud of um, and this probably wasn't planned but it came at a, a really good time don't you think with Raul heading out and everyone questioning maybe what was happening there and what was what he was up to and the club was up to um, and then we get this lovely piece, which is, you know, tongue in cheek in parts, but also reminds everyone of something they can be proud of. So I think Adidas kind of made a big win there. And um, what you were saying with Puma, and you thought that they might have uh, taken up that gold kit. I think that's really interesting because I always kind of look at um, Adidas as the more um, historic, um, meaningful um, kind of brand. When I look, think of them, it's always like a David Beckham or a Snoop Dogg or a Missy Elliott or, you know, these kind of older greats. It's been around for some time. Um, if you compare that to Nike, it, that always, to me, feels more like big American, shiny, glossy. So maybe maybe Adidas will be the one to, to give you that that you wanted, mate, because um, they, yeah. they seem like they do more. Yeah. So what, what do, do you, what, what do you think the, I mean, I know this is a difficult question because, you know, you, you, don't, you haven't worked at both brands, but it feels like Adidas just get it right. You know, like when they, when they release a, a video and it's only been a short amount of time, they connect to the the local culture. They speak to an international audience at the same time. And they manage to do this really amazing thing where they straddle, um, creating something that looks good on athletes, but also looks good in the sort of Adidas original sense. You know, like mm. it, it's it's almost every man, it's an every man, woman brand um, at the same time as being quite stylish. Like why why do you think, do, do, like from the outside, it looks like Adidas care more. Is Do you think that there's something in their culture that leads you to that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I- you know, I think, again, it's like, can come back to my previous point, I think the fact that they, uh, as a brand, may be a little bit more strewn in their in their history and they, they um, kind of come from that. I think that is something that appeals to, to fans. Um, but also, like you said, they're kind of straddling, they're using the power of the brand quite well. So, like you said, more on that original side. So, uh, you remember uh, the, I think the original Bruce Banana kit had the Trefoil logo. Um, and the kits now have the free stripe logo. So that is a moniker for originals and for streetwear. Um, you see clubs like PSG who had the Jumpman logo for their um, uh, Champions League kits and all this kind of stuff. So I think brands are starting to utilise kind of all touch points now a little bit better. Um, so Adidas are doing that really, really well. Um, and, and, and the way they kind of portray it across as well. So now you have and I don't know if this would work at a, a, a Stoke or a Burnley, but you have the characters like Abamyang and Lacazette who've got the bling and they're a bit cool. And obviously Bellerin, who's got the dangly earrings and he kind of uh, puts it together with something that's a, a little bit cool and only that he could probably do. Um, and brands allowing that kind of source, as you always say, to kind of come through. I think that's really important as well. Um, whereas before, I think, brands would tend to kind of err on a bit of caution we can't do that we've got to be kind of strict you have to wear this with this and 
you look like a bit like a mannequin. So I think that as well, kind of what we're seeing, what we're feeling, um, definitely comes across. And I think, like you said, they they do really care. Uh, I used to work with a guy who now runs kind of the um, Adidas relationship with um, Arsenal, a guy called Joe Carby, and he he's a really good guy. You know, just in every organisation, no matter how big, how small, some people just aren't good at their jobs, right? It's just a fact of life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I know Joe, for example, is really good at his job. So that kind of comes through with everything that kind of happens. Um, you know, and I think that's a, a really good thing as well. Um, and then you, like you said as well, it's a kind of every man, every woman brand. We're now seeing kind of the the women's team in all the, you know, the, the equals as it should be. Um, we're seeing them in all the ads, et cetera. Maybe as time the time gone by, that quite, quite wasn't the case. Um, so it just feels really Arsenal in the sense of like the, the partnership. And I feel that's because both brands, the Arsenal brand and the Adidas brand, are kind of staying true to themselves. Um, so it feels, you know, really, really natural. Um, whereas I, I would imagine, and again, I, I couldn't really speak to this because I haven't worked on uh, Nike for any real length of time, but I feel like Nike would have maybe tried to really push it and become like, you know, they would have had maybe more of a tech story. This jersey does this and it is the yeah. fastest jersey ever, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, and Andy, yes, kind of go for the more of the, the family friendly type of thing. Um, and they, and it's great. And it, like, even I think last, I mean, it's I think it was eight years ago now, but the preseason um, before uh, the, the, the tour, the, the American tour before the season started, um, I know Adidas did a lot of coverage of that and that felt really, really nice. Um, they kind of, I know that there was a team out there from, from Copper, Copper 90 as well, and from Adidas out there kind of doing a lot of coverage. Um, and that felt really nice as well. So I think it's just, you know, two brands that actually, you know, make a lot of sense coming together and not really forcing the issue much. Um, it would be interesting for me to see the Arsenal women's team kind of get a, branding of its own a little bit you know they have uh, their own legends and they have their own kind of uh, story to tell which is obviously similar to the men's but you know the women's game is becoming such a you know such a big beast now it would be quite nice to see if Adidas could do something with that um, and really push it on because I think Arsenal women's were, is, is one of the oldest kind of women's teams going at least the most one of the most successful so it'd be great to kind of see that come to life as well. Yeah, that's um, that's some really interesting points. I love um, love that you mentioned that you know it, when when Nike when Nike drop a kit, it's it's tech story. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know what what the the angle was on Puma. I don't think that they. I think that one of the problems that they had is there there wasn't ever really a story at all. And I, what I think what I like about Adidas, which I think is quite you know can be quite bold. It's you know like. Maybe maybe Puma are like um, you know certain brands. They have to when you have to advertise everywhere. You have to create one you know matching luggage that will just sit in you know any any nation around the world with just a tweak of um, of language. Adidas yeah. are really doubling down on on local like almost you know like the 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 marble halls reference. Mm-hmm. Um, that that whole piece was just littered with sort of like inside jokes. It wasn't. It yeah. was. It was almost felt like it was built for the hardcore. You know, the David yeah. Seaman uh, statue. The you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was. It was like it, it, 
I, I'd imagine that if you, you know, if you wrote that in America and you were working for Arsenal, they they would say that this is a little bit too insidery. What about people mm-hmm. that don't really understand it? But Adidas mm-hmm. just don't care. It's it feels like feels like it's a fan led account, which is um, yeah, you know, a joy. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I totally, I totally agree, and and that comes along, and even still, I think um, to your point of you know, if you wrote that, if a copyright came back with that um, in 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 America or New York where you are, um, they might be like, oh, well, this is a bit too niche. It's only appeals to a smaller audience or whatever. I feel like there's layers, right? Like marble in anywhere is a expensive historic. Uh, really sought after material so you got that kind of reference and then you kind of dig deeper a little bit in those kind of paintings um, where you know you've got uh, tyranny kind of looking bold and stoic but holding his Tesco bag and there's just layers to it you know Um, and maybe that's just me speaking as an Arsenal fan and someone else does not get it but I think it's yeah really uh, really layered and uh, there's some nice little bits in there like you say so uh, and to your point about Puma as well, I think, yeah, yeah, I don't really kind of, Puma kit just doesn't really stick out for me. I don't really know, really. And maybe that's a reflection on kind of uh, where the club was at the time as well, um, kind of end of the Wenger days, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what kind of one thing that sticks out in my mind there, it's a bit bit muddied, but I think, uh, like I said, coming back to the point, the, the the two brands at the minute seem to have you know super synergy. So excited to see what happens next. And also uh, an interesting point that I was thinking about when you were referencing the you know the the guys that you grew up with. Like you know we're we're in and around the same generation when it comes to to age. Have, yeah. have you found it? Um, you know, I, I only moved out here uh, five you know five six years ago. And um, I always remember when you come to New York and you watch Arsenal, it's kind of like, a, you know, it's 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 an underground, you know, like there's a weird sort of cult of Arsenal fans in New York that fill bars at seven o'clock in the morning and start drinking. But if, <laughs> if you if you turn up to like people will turn up to a party or, you know, or whatever, wearing an Arsenal shirt and it kind of, you know, you, you like you would never do that in London. Because oh, no. there's kind of a, a like it's a bit of a statement if you turn up to a casual night out wearing a, a football shirt, and quite often you can't get into bars. But yeah. I wonder whether you sort of noticed that there is a shift to uh, football attire and things like shirts being a little bit more part of like you know mainstream attire. Well, like they're almost cool now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I think um, for some time, I don't, I don't know maybe the last 10 years or so retro kits were kind of cool um i got a retro kit for my birthday an ac milan one um kind of you know you imagine the maldinis and and you know, with right. the kind yeah. of short shorts and the baggy half tucked in t-shirts um shirts and stuff so um i feel like for a little while the retro ones have been um and then going back to your point we've kind of grown up with the jay emmanuel jay simpson gavin etc um probably wouldn't wear <laughs> probably wouldn't wear uh the kind of football jerseys around them they were a bit more like kind of maybe more under a bit cool cooler than that uh, especially because it was work for them i guess yeah um, yeah 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 Yeah. so you kind of like wearing their work uniform out is a bit like maybe not um but definitely i remember being at school and stuff like that and it was a bit like oh you, feel, you know 
wears your like Nike top or Adidas top, maybe not the the the, the kits, you know. Um, and I feel like the shift in that has become as well. Like you say, you see more and more of the you know a, a image of of Pogba kind of comes to mind and um, Lingard and those guys again in the top wearing Levi's, looking kind of cool, making it acceptable probably. Um, that kind of comes to mind. Um, I don't, I don't know why that is, uh, but I guess what's what's really good is the the partnerships like Adidas and and Arsenal are really thriving off of that because if people are now just wearing it a lot more as casual wear, not just hardcore fans that go to games, or you know you might buy one because you have a kick around on Wednesday at Power League with your mates, um, but now you're wearing it actually, yeah, it's kind of cool. I'll wear it, I can wear it with some jeans, and I'll go out, at, you know, bar cool in it. Um, you know, definitely, I think these partnerships has, has always come down to kind of your bottom line um, and what that looks like. So, um, definitely, I feel like that that shift has really become quite um, quite obvious. Yeah, there's um, there's a couple of guys that uh, that I you know sort of I don't know, wouldn't say I Twitter that I Twitter know um, like the there's a there's a guy um, called that he's got a thing, I think he's got the art of football. And he, oh, yeah. he makes these uh, bucket hats out of like old training kits. And, you know, cool. like he's got all these, these, you know, these models and the, you know, they the look like, the, the, it looks amazing. And there's another guy, um, Jason, who runs something, a, a website called Focohaler, I think it is. And they, he oh, makes like these weird concept kits out of, um, out of old shirts and he, he had sort of like cultural icons like Sonic the Hedgehog and and it's just really interesting like how that sort of that um football streetwear is its is its own thing its own little uh like subculture um these days because it's certainly people people certainly weren't interested in wearing a 1992 Lazio kit oversized uh <laughs> like like they are now um, yeah yeah so like I would love to talk to you a little bit about um, the the sports directorship stuff. Um, like I, I I love the you know the, the you know how British football clubs um, are developing at such a rapid pace, and there's more focus on data. There's more focus on specialisms, and we're we're shifting away from that idea that. Jose Mourinho is going to come in and he's going to, you know, run everything. We're starting to look a little bit more um, like a, like American sports. Um, I wondered, um, you know, if you could explain a little bit about what what you're studying and you know what you, what your end goal is and how you get there. Really, big yeah. question. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, big one. Uh, it was a bit like a job interview that one. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and tell me um, your weaknesses. Yeah, <laughs> I have none. I have none. <laughs> no. Um, so I think I'll start back at kind of how you get there. So I think that's kind of what kind of kicked it for me. Um, working in and around football um, my kind of whole life, growing up with the guys who I still grew up with and, and still in good contact with, kind of hearing what goes on at, at football clubs and how things are run. Um, and then I guess the emergence slowly of this uh, kind of, sporting director technical director role um and you know kind of reading more articles about it etc and then looking at how did one get there because it seemed like it was uh, a lot of ex-footballers you kind of uh you know you look i get i don't know i've never done but i haven't done the numbers but 
I guess you look at Europeans top league people in those roles. How many of them have like you know been a footballer um, or a coach to some sort of high level? Um, so I kind of was looking at that, but my understanding of the role was that it was someone uh, almost like a CEO, but kind of just looks at um, the, the sporting side. So you have all of these these departments in your purview, and how do you you know slice them together, mix them up to kind of get the best picture? Um, and that's something more and more in my kind of more advertising roles, etc. As you uh, go up the ranks, you go less as a doer and you go more as a kind of overseer and you look at how people in your teams, etc. Can, can work around and do things like that. So that's kind of what led me into it. And uh, the more I read into it and the more I kind of spoke to, um, especially Jay, Jay Simpson, um, when he was at Orient. Uh, he had lots of good conversations with the sporting director there and he was kind of, you know, just telling me as we kind of were hanging out one one day and I was like, yeah, it just sounds so interesting, et cetera, et cetera. And it was him who was like, you know, you could do courses in this stuff. Like, you don't have to be, I mean, I've got a few coaching badges. Um, one of my friends actually uh, coaches the Tottenham, Tottenham women. Um, so, like, I have, you know, coaches around me and I do bits and pieces. Um, so it was just super interesting. So I looked more into that found out the course was in Manchester part-time two years um, and the way they've set it up is more of an executive learning so you kind of reach a certain level in your career you're looking for the next step up um, and it merges kind of what you've done in business potentially uh, and sporting government gov- governance so it, it's that coming together uh, and so modules are like um, how to lead a strategic organization or um how to manage people or um sporting governance um a bit of law you know those kind of things so you start to actually it's everything really but um what you might expect you know a lot of people might expect it's transfers and it's uh scouting and networking and stuff like that and and a, and a large part, part of it is but i was quite surprised to see that the course they've put together which has some great alumni which again we probably get to in a minute um actually um it's it's more to do with kind of executive learning and a little bit more to do with um business acumen than than i potentially first imagined so it's kind of um you know it's not something that you would really do if you were 21 straight out of university it's almost built to take all of the learnings that you've had over a 10-year career and then sort of uh, apply them to like a it almost sounds like it's a a, like strategic role like a sporting director I guess is it's the master of strategy right it's sporting strategy exactly exactly that and um so you know it's it's fairly rigorous to kind of get on the course you know you have to uh, do a few interviews a few chats with a few different people and that kind of stuff They, they ask to see a cv as well so it's not like I've got, you know, 100 UCAS points and so I can get into this course. It's more like, what have you done in the last 10 to 15 years? Oh, great. Um, and come on come on board, we'd love to have you. Um, and I, I remember it was one of your podcasts, actually. I think you're speaking, it might have been your brother-in-law or, or someone, um, and you were speaking to him and he was saying how a CEO is a high-networked individual as well. Um, and a, and a, a big portion or a, you know, a portion of this course is all about the networking as well. So it's very important. And they really uh, kind of drive off the fact that, um, you know, there is some great alumni and they 
give out email addresses and get people to kind of meet up and do peer learning and peer working and stuff. So um, that part of it is, is really important as well. But as you say, yeah, it's like the master of strategy. Uh, how can I get the, you know, and, and now we're looking at, you know, the extra 1%. So um, the Arsenal just hired that, um, the guy from, from Brentford, right, who's a set-piece um, uh, coach. So, you know, everyone seems to be doing that at the minute. So what is it about this set-piece coach or what can him and Arteta come together to do? Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of talks about that. I think I, I read somewhere that Arteta's project when he did his pro licence was also about um, set pieces. So I'm sure Arteta has, uh, you know, a few ideas about that. And so, you know, Eddie's kind of got, gone out, got this guy, put them together, and then the extra, you know, one or two percent of that ring could end up, you know, the difference between second and first or uh, fourth and fifth. So it's all about those one or two percent, like you say, and, and, and being super strategic and ahead of the game. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 marginal the marginal gains approach is uh, you know like I, I, it's kind of born of like Billy Bean, right? I think mm. is it the marginal gains? Um, uh, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be really interesting because uh, Liverpool hired a throw-in coach. Yeah, um, and yeah, you know, I, I was wondering how you get into that game, but I think the <laughs> they they took him from rugby. Oh, um, to, uh, to the, I, I, well, I'm pretty sure, and for the line out stuff, um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, the the set piece, the set piece coach from Brentford. I mean, for for the listeners that don't know, Brentford are a bit of a a trailblazing club when it comes to scouting, data analysis, and coaching. We also picked up our goalkeeping coach Inaki. Yeah. Uh, That's right. From there, but the, the 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 great thing, I think, one of the the data crunches on Twitter said the the set piece coach, his season's worth of coaching or whatever, doing what he did, it was worth something like I don't know, point two uh, uh, xg and over a season wow. that worked out at five or six goals. But if we concede five or six goals less over a season than their important goals. Yeah, that's mm. the difference between Europe and not in Europe, right? Yeah. You can see five or six less, you score five or six more. Um, you know, it, it's, it's actually quite fascinating. And then even if you trip it back from that or you, know, you work a, a a great set piece, someone has to foul you because of you're in transition or what what have you, you score then from that set piece, you know, how far back can you can you kind of strip it back, you know? So um dead balls are are, are you know huge, I guess, advantage. Um, and I'd be interested. I'd be really interested to to see what what that brings. And I guess the same approach, one or two percent, is kind of how we're probably looking at the youth signings as well, right? The the kind of four or five guys we brought in at under twenty three level. I guess there is a one or two percent um, piece of data analytics, some some sort of um, algorithm that Edu and and the guys are, are permutating looking at that actually makes these guys not rejects, but more full on, uh, you know, was it Ajax? We got the, the Salah guy from and Tottenham and all these other places, you know, more for you because you're not looking at this kind of hidden gem of a, of a piece of data over here. Um, so that as well is, is super interesting. Yeah. And I, I don't, I was trying to, I was thinking about this um, yesterday uh, well, actually, I've been thinking about it quite a lot over the last couple of years because Arsenal have made some uh, some big errors 
you know, mm. with you know, Jeff is um, is playing for for Leon. I know they're only seventh, but he moved for twenty three million um, mm. last year. Um, you've got Serge Gnabry, just just won a Champions League. Looks absolutely world class. It looks amazing, doesn't it? Um, and you know, there's a uh, uh, Marlon. There's a few players that that have, that have gone now. Like, do you do you think that um, like I swear, like five or six years ago, if you left a big club, it was very difficult to make it back to the top. But it feels like there's a rash of players um, from all over Europe now that leave big clubs and go on to have incredible careers. I mean, just, you know, San- I know Sancho wasn't exactly a reject, but, you know, the guy's worth 100 million after two yeah. seasons now. What Do you do you think it's better scouting? Do you think it's uh, an uptick in coaching? Like what what do you think is leading to these sort of, these all these rough diamonds like getting extremely polished very quickly. Yeah, I think it's a mix of the two. Actually, I think if we talk about um, maybe the coaching and changing coaching, um, I was on a course not too long, um, and actually speaking to some of my friends who, like I said, are at Tottenham Women and do some like um, community coaching, they were saying that now, and and, and of course I was on cumulatively, they were also kind of saying. Now you have a kid who, you know, might be a bit of trouble or whatever, but uh, he's got something about him. So a time gone by, you say, right, he's rubbish. He's not got the attitude. You know, he'll never make it. Um, but actually what they're doing now is they're getting kids at a younger age to fill out like a form, uh, kind of like a Myers-Briggs type of thing of like, you know, uh, are you more like this or like that? Or how is your day to day? Or what was the last meal you had or how far did you have to come to training, et cetera? Obviously this is a lot younger than the guys we're talking about, but I think it plays a role in the kind of mindset change that coaches are going through now. So you have, uh, even to the sake of, you know, I, I've heard stories of at some, some levels, you know, the, the guy who kind of, his mum leaves work early, drops him to, to, to training. Uh, he has the latest boots and what have you, et cetera. Nothing goes wrong for him. He's doing fairly decent in school, um, you know, Mr. Popular. That the coaches at some level will give the guy something to, to stress about. They'll drop him for not, you know, any particularly big reason. They'll um, play him out of position. They'll nitpick on the fact he, you know, striking the ball over the ball. He's doing this, he's doing that. Just to give him something to work towards. Um, while they kind of look at you know, another guy and kind of go, well, we'll cut you a bit of slack because, you know, you've had to come 10 miles on the bus uh, from the other side of London to get here, et cetera, et cetera. So that mind shift on, on, in, in coaching then lends itself to uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a Din is it his name? The guy from Tottenham, yeah. um, you know, maybe, you know, because he felt like with the coaches there, maybe they weren't quite using him right. Uh, maybe, you know, again, the data just showed something that, oh, actually, if we can get hold of him, we'll give him 18 months to prove that actually, you know, this bit of, you know, he, he can use his left foot a bit better or, or what have you. So I think there's something quite interesting in both the kind of change in uh, coaching mentality and also the real big emergence of, of, of data. I don't know if I kind of explained that well enough, but no, you I kind think, of get the point. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's absolutely fascinating um, because, uh you know, I read an interview um, from Nagelsmann. You know, arguably one of the best young coaches in the world. Yeah, uh, he, you know, he he came out and said that you know seventy percent of the 
the game. I don't know how he described it, whether it was like, um, you know, they call it EQ over here, like social intelligence or, you mm. know, um, Arteta constantly talks about um, convincing the players. Like the, the the coaching role is very psychological now. And, like you know, I, I didn't play at any sort of level, but it was um, coaching back in the day. I think uh, a lot of levels of the game was drill, drill, drill. No one really cared mm-hmm. about the the person or the footballer. But it's it's mm-hmm. interesting to to hear you say that uh, even at like a very you know young level they're trying to get in the heads of these players now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's like again, like you say, you hear these kind of young coaches kind of fresh off their kind of courses and, and what have you. I mean, now Goodman maybe maybe less so, but Arteta kind of was. I think he's doing his pro license up until only like three seasons ago. You know, um, so these kind of new techniques are coming in from the young, innovative managers. I think we talk as fans and rightly so, I guess, you know, a lot about systems and shape, you know, what's he doing here and what's he doing there. And those guys are, are doing fascinating things with that as well. But, you know, I think really that the kind of mental side, you know, Arteta's example, look how he turned kind of Maitland-Niles around, look how he turned Ceballos around, um, using, I'm sure, some of these kind of uh, tactics that we're talking about um, and, and, and a lot he kind of said in his press conferences as well, didn't he? You know, that they're either on the boat or they're not. And, you know, all this kind of emotive stuff around, you know, we, if you're with us, we can help you and et cetera, et cetera. So um, a lot of it, a lot of that comes from the psychological side. So I wonder, again, and we've, we've got rid of our, co- our scouts, haven't we? So I don't know how they can kind of tell those soft factors from the guys that they're picking up. Um, because normally that was a quite a big role of the scout, wasn't it, to kind of pick up on some of these things. You know, are they a good lad, or you know, how do they how do they fare with a bit of controversy, controversy. Um, so it, it would be, be interesting to kind of see, you know, if we see more of that, how those guys fared. You know, it seems a bit of a project. How are we, you know, do we see a couple of those guys in and around the Europa League team, and you know that kind of stuff. So only time will tell. But it, it's it's super fascinating. And, like you, I'm a big fan of, of Nagelsmann and uh, what's his get to the Jesse, whatever his name is, I forget his name, um, Arteta, etc. So, um, yeah, really interesting to see how that comes along. It's uh, and you know, like my final sort of like thought of like how the game is evolving um, because I've spoken to a few people um, in football that talk about the you know how intelligent footballers are that are coming through the ranks now. Um, because they've got access to every team in the world through their phone. They're looking at comps of talented players. They can coach themselves um, online. They're playing um, football manager. They know every single player in Europe. They understand data and how to read it. And they almost have a, a program in mind for how to develop themselves so when you've mm-hmm. got Arsene Wenger talking to a 22-year-old, it's very different than having a Mikel Arteta, who's 39 years old, grew up on FIFA, grew up on all those games, nerding out mm-hmm. on the internet, looking at YouTube videos. Like, I wonder if you think that also part of the mix is, you know, players are sharper when they start and they don't need to be, you know, they're not drinking anymore or you yeah, know, doing yeah. all the same well, things, right? Yeah. As much, yeah. at least. As much. <laughs> yeah. Harry yeah. Maguire. Um. Yeah, all right. Exactly. Uh, Brits abroad. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. That, that when, when, you, when you read that story, did you, like, you, you, 
you didn't need to read much into that story to know exactly how whatever went on in that bar played out. Yeah, right. Because oh, you've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Million million times over. Um, hilarious. I'm surprised there's not more like kind of being on phones these days. There's not like a Snapchat or a. I mean, there might be actually. I've, I've not really dug deep enough, but um, a Snapchat or something doing the rounds. But yeah, um, you know, horrific behaviour from, uh, from 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 him. Yeah, there, I think not. And you know what I don't get, like. I, I, Mykonos, like you got <laughs> what, what? What do you earn a week? Like yeah, go, go and rent a private island. You know, invite yeah, all your friends go, over. And, yeah, and chill out and whatever. I get you've probably tried to do it just because you, you maybe he's tight and he doesn't want to pay for his mates or whatever. So somewhere that everyone can afford. But yeah, I mean, it's just not worth it, is it? You know, just uh, you know. Well, no. And we'll if some, that one plays out. someone's and someone's kicking off, like just don't don't take the bait. Like you're a yeah, professional exactly. footballer. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Did you? There was a there was a funny quote, uh, and I don't know how real it was. I don't know whether someone just made it up, but they said it was um, it was like a Greek woman that was you know listening in from the window, and she says something like, "and and these guys were calling him a fridge, and I didn't understand what that meant." <laughs> like, getting bantered really? by the Greeks there. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I love that. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. And um, yeah, well, um, we, we I guess we know how that happened, how that ends. Before we before we leave this topic, it would be rude for me not to ask. But are there any? Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the the alumni on the course. Uh, like, have you met any uh, exciting people that you were like, wow, that was uh, that was an interesting conversation? Um, you know what? Yeah, actually, um, Steve Round, um, obviously Arsenal assistant coach, he was on the the first uh the, the course first year of the course actually um which is absolutely amazing and he's kind of our uh our very own Ralph Ranyak you know he's a, he can coach and I think at Villa he was the, the technical director or, or sporting director or whatever he was there um so that's you know super interesting um so yeah super excited to have more chats with him and see how um we can kind of hopefully progress that relationship um also uh Ben Napa as well who's the the loans manager for for those who don't know um super interesting role um as well again like we've just been speaking about you know the whole kind of uh, data and analytics and how we choose clubs to avoid the kind of Serge Gnabry disaster all over again um and I know he's really highly thought of as well at the, at the club from, from what I read and from, from what I hear so um, it's super interesting to kind of have, have more chats with him um, and as well like we spoke about before where uh, the kind of throw-ins coach has come from rugby and how you know people are um, you know mo- most innovation comes from when you kind of come out of your comfort zone a little bit or when you borrow from other sports or uh, in our line of work if you borrow from other brands and have a look at what they're doing um, there's uh, a few people from like rugby clubs um general managers um from from uh Harley Quinns and you know all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a few kind of kind of really interesting people and um I would just love to kind of you know keep talking with those guys and some of them I haven't had had a chance to catch up with yet. Um I think our our next um Zoom call or whatever is on the eighth of September. So um really interested to kind of talk, talk a bit more to those guys. Um but yeah, from an Arsenal perspective, 
I think you know you got you got Ben in there, you've got Steve in there, uh, also Ken Gilliard, the under uh, eighteen coach, he's in there. So yeah, I mean, uh, amazing kind of um, alumni, and, and it would be uh, like I've batted on about a bit too much now, probably, but it'd be great to just keep chatting with those guys and kind of suck in all their knowledge and you know um, really get into that. So super exciting. Uh, well, Dom, I think you have definitely inspired about you know about fifty percent of this podcast to go out and take up this course. It sounds uh, it sounds phenomenal. So thanks for sharing um, information on that. So um, right. in, in the in in part two, let's uh, let's talk some Arsenal. Welcome back to part two of the podcast i'm here with dom and we've been talking about all sorts of exciting things um uh just before we get into what's going on at arsenal with players um dom do you want to talk about uh you know the the point that we were having in the break about um kids and social media and you know like how coaches are are operating with these these kids yeah absolutely i think you you made a great point of you know these kind of kids coming up and all this kind of stuff they're uh, experts almost you like they play football manager they'll play FIFA um, they're on YouTube they're looking at tactics or they're looking at uh, other people playing the game how they play the game and trying to implement that into their teams and learning about the game from their peers um, it's really interesting again I've talked a little bit about my, my mates who coach over at Tottenham but they've got a, a young guy over there uh, or a couple of young guys over there who's obviously um, learned the game on FIFA, outrageous skills. I think the new FIFA's even got like a uh, Volta mode, which is just like street football mode or whatever. They go in their back gardens or on their estates or into the cages and they try and try and try until they can do it. Uh, they get picked up by these teams, etc. And, and and now, and we're speaking as well about how coaches and, and the mindset has changed. I think in time gone past, some coaches with a... Uh, coach it out of them and say you can't do that don't do that there you know all those kind of things you might be my hair shouting over and technically marshes on a on a Sunday um but now um I feel like coaches kind of leave them to it um but also these these kids have like superstardom of their own they're like 12 13 they've got five million uh, followers on their Instagram um and they're being kind of hoarded um and, and heralded sorry by you know, Adidas and Nike and all these kind of brands who will fly them to Germany and to Portland to do, um, you know, uh, shoots and all the rest of it. So, you know, if you don't let them kind of express themselves on the football pitch, they'll say, all right, I'm going to pack this in. I could be flying around the world and kind of doing that. And as a short-term thing, you know, they're probably not at that age thinking too much into the into the future. So, you know, you've got really that to contend with as well. So social media is having such an effect um on, on everything yeah the, the, uh, i mean i know that it's not quite well there's the there's the young kid the young iranian liverpool kid you seen um, yeah they're uh like blowing up as they, they've got a, I, I, i'm being ignorant here i wasn't sure whether it was um um male or you know male or female uh, footballer yeah. i didn't actually dig too deep into it but exceptional <laughs> skills regardless and then um you've got um uh the the young Barcelona kid, um, uh, Ansu, Ansu, yeah, 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 yeah. I did read something the other day. He's got like 10, 15 million followers on Instagram. 
there you, you know, go. Just, it's <laughs> just, it? yeah, and he's he's you know he's barely in the first team, and uh, it's uh, you know that that sort of you know as you know you know you, you've worked in the influencer marketing side of things. That's probably mm. quite a hefty amount of money per post to get him oh, to do something already. It's in yeah, in insane. Um, and again, like this, the kind of money you can get is not secret anymore, is it? So they'll be well versed in the commercial side of things. So yeah, you have to kind of uh, evolve the game to fit these best players in who are you know well coordinated and well skillful beyond their ages. Otherwise, they'll just choose another route and then. Not that you're left with um, uh, kind of the, the trash, but you're you're left with the rest, you know. And you know the clubs are always, like we said, looking for that one or two percent. So if you can adapt your game because everyone in your area in your catchment is copying FIFA skills in their cages, um, then you know you do so and keep these guys because otherwise, yeah, they'll um, they'll be Mykonos with their uh, <laughs> pictures for their you know <laughs> ten yeah. million followers. <laughs> So um, big news all over Arsenal. I feel like you know we moved on, um, moved on. Dom Raoul, um, he's he's out the door. Very excited about that. Uh, the the changes at the club have been rapid fire. I think everybody suspected that Arsenal were going to um, make some big changes. They uh, Arteta has swiftly shown um, Freddie Lundberg the exit door. Um, we've yeah. got all these new coaches. Not too much of a surprise. No, no. It's um, you know, <laughs> fair, fair play to Freddie for for staying on. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, he, he's he, I think he's he's older than Arteta. I can't imagine that he was thrilled that uh, you know, thirty eight year old came in and took the job. But I think you yeah. know, if uh, Arsenal, Arsenal, you know, if Raúl did anything, it was anything good. It was sanctioning the signing. Uh, you know, the hire of Mikel Arteta because that. Absolutely. That that was that was a bold and visionary move, but the you know the most exciting thing you know and I think we talked about some of the coaching staff. It's really been um, like the players that we've been linked with because it's gone from um, looking at anything that's in Kia's portfolio to all of a sudden the names being linked to Arsenal are actually quite exciting, um, quite exciting. So, firstly, I wanted to talk about um, Gabriel. Um, Arsenal fans have tracked him on the M25. Um, yeah, I saw that. Got his private jet <laughs> nutters. If, if Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal fans uh, were an army, um, they'd be able to find anybody. So, um, yeah, I wanted to get your 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 hot take on what you think about the signing of, of Gabriel Margeles. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going for, Mar- Margeles. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll soon be educated, I'm sure. I'm sure the uh, one of his first interview with uh, the, the dude that does the interview on Arsenal.com that's got to be the first question, isn't it? How how do we say? How the hell do you pronounce that surname? Yeah, exactly. Um, but he looks he looks great. He's um, a good good age, twenty two, um, left footed. We seem like we're, we're stockpiling a couple of left footers, but I don't feel like that's too much of a problem. I see some other blogs and other people kind of worrying about it quite a lot. I don't think um, it, I'm not too excited about it. Um, so so I think that's great. Um, he's huge. Uh, six foot well. three, right? Six foot three. Yeah, he he's a bit of a unit, um, but athletic with it again, which is which is great. And I think you're getting a lot more of these kind of players as well. They're physically impressive um, in terms of their height and stature, but also their speed that they're running at. This repeat sprints and all those kind of bits and pieces. Um, he, I've heard a lot about him not being a kind of ball playing 
centre back. But again, maybe my YouTube scouting has has left me um, uh, under full senses. But he does look like he can. He's got an eye for a pass. He can spray it about a bit. But I think he's got the bit of a the Kashelnys about him. He's he's very quick in his recovery. Um, deceivingly probably strong like Kashelny was. Um, and I imagine him to start like you know nicking the ball and winning it higher up and stuff. And if he did kind of get in behind him in the half spaces, down the channels, what have you, um, he, he wouldn't mind clattering you. So it's good. I'm, I'm really impressed. And he, he, he will also, hopefully, with our new set-piece coach, be a problem in the opposition box as well. So um, that'd be good to see. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the um, the the stat that I was impressed with is, uh, and, and it was something uh, Geraldo Lopez, the Lille CEO, said, uh, he's absolutely dominant in the air. I think he wins 5.1 joules, aerial joules mm-hmm. a game. That's up there with Harry Maguire and Virgil van Dijk. And, nice. you know, look, if, I, I, and again, I know it's such a basic, but there is a clear problem that every single fan can see. Um, 15, mm. 15 goals conceded from set pieces, um, mm. excluding penalties, I think. And we are answering that problem by signing a you know a twenty two year old Brazilian that's six foot three that's absolutely dominant in the air. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's you know all of these years that we've gone by and gone. You know what? It'd be be great to have uh, uh, Martin Keown look after the defence and sign a big tall defender. And yeah. now 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 we've got a hipster young coach in, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, yeah, I think that that's a I think that that's a good idea. So now it's Vogue, right? Yeah, now it's now now it's very now it's very on point. And uh, also, when you think about it, I mean, you, you mentioned his size. Um, I didn't realize that um, William Saliba was six foot four. I mean, yeah. So you've got a nineteen year old six foot four. You've got twenty two year old six foot three. That's a that's a very imposing, athletic, mobile, technically gifted defense. I mean, it, we've kind of addressed a lot. You know, Leno and Martinez, um, Gabriel and Saliba. That feels like uh, you know a solution in defense for the next five years. Oh, absolutely! And M- Martinez is is another huge monster of a, of he's a man, a, isn't uh, he? He's a huge, huge man, just massive. Um, but really, again, uh, uh, just uh, uh, we'll come back to uh, Gabriel. But um, even on, on Martinez, again, uh, hanging out with with Gavin uh, Gavin Hoyt, and he was saying that when they were youth kids, uh, he had unbelievable techers. So one time after training, as the story goes, um, some of the lads were holding out the ball bag, and uh, Martinez would do a sidewinder from like forty yards out and ping it into a ball bag. Um, so yeah, and, and you kind of saw that distribution. So again, for such a big lump of a of a guy, he's got all the kind of um, soft feet, soft hands, um, all that stuff about him as well. So it now, like you say, becomes a, a really interesting kind of back five. Um, if you take into consideration Bellerin coming back in, um, hopefully you know he's a good rest, smoking all those cigarettes or doing whatever he's kind of doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> And uh, and tyranny as well with those guys. Um, it, it looks it looks really 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 good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, um, you know, just one thing before we move on from Martinez. If if I was a goalkeeping scout, I would have a um a catch to punch ratio. And what I love, oh, yeah. what what I, what I've absolutely loved about Martinez is he 
will go out of his way to hold on to the ball every time. And it's such yeah. it's it's so rare in the Premier League for goalkeepers to hold on to it and probably helps that he's so much bigger than everybody. But you know, even from even from some like wicked shots, um yeah. he'll still try and hold. And I think that that's yeah. um, that that for me like and look, Bern Leno is a fantastic goalkeeper. But I don't know, I just felt a lot more secure with Martinez in those, you know, so, ten, twelve games. I don't know what you think. So so gun to your head, you have to pick one, sell one, pick one. What what are you going for? I don't know. I mean, it, like it, it feels so disloyal to um move Leno on. Um but you know Martinez had a had a long run of form. And he did it in the big games, even when he wasn't particularly busy. And sometimes the worry mm. with Bern Leno, I got a little bit, um, and this is super unfair, and I, I mean this in the kindest sense possible, but I sometimes got a little bit of the Richard Wrights. You know, like when Richard Wright was dealing with 32 shots on goal at Ipswich, yeah. he was unbelievable because there was no mm-hmm. pressure. But when it was one, he would, you know, was sometimes error prone. And I kind of like, never be, not, I'm not unconvinced by Leno, but I feel like um, I just didn't feel as secure with Leno in goal as I did with Martinez. And, you know, that could all change, you know, start the season in goal is a different type of pressure. But um, I think mm. if you could get a big a big number for Leno, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be devastated. Yeah. What I about think you? I'm, I'm with, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I think completely unfair, but it, for as great as he's been, he definitely cost us a point or two or uh, I can't quite remember now, a point or two or a, a goal or two where, you know, uh, I think that the Tottenham game, was, that, was it the Tottenham game? One of the Tottenham games? Um, he kind of made a bit of a yeah, hell of it so. and saved yeah. us, didn't he? Um, so he kind of like, you, you give with one hand to take with the other. Um, but I just feel like as a package, Martinez is, is, is doing it for me and I, I can only really get down for um, kind of the early stage Europa League games or um, kind of Carling Cup games or what have you, um, but or Carabao as it is now, sorry. Um, you know, those kind of games uh, and where Martinez kind of has played down the years. Um, and for me, he's always looked good. Like He's always looked like, you know, you maybe not, you wouldn't have gone home to tell your girlfriend about him, but maybe that's a good thing because he was just kind of quietly doing his job um, so I think yeah, if I was if I was Arteta, I'd give him I'd give him the starters jersey and um, and like you say, if we can get something for Leno, then you know you're laughing. We all want to kind of look after our net spend, so I'm sure Leno could go and fetch quite a nice profit. Yeah, and um, talking of um, net spend, another story doing the rounds today is it appears that Maitland Niles, um, a man that put. Traore in his pocket um, um, played the semi-final and the final of the FA Cup. Seems like we're losing him for twenty million. Um, and to add to that, there's also stories doing the rounds that PSG are going to look to engage Hector Bellerin. So our only uh, the only right back that we'll be left with is uh, the uh, the young guy who went to Bochum this year. Two uh, two. Ah, yeah, a two two. Yeah, two-two. yeah, and. Um, he didn't play right back though, did he? I think he played. Yeah. He played on the wing, didn't he? Because he he got he got five yeah. five assists and three goals. Um, and then uh, or uh, Suarez. Um, so what? Like what? What are you? What are you making of the of the right back situation at Arsenal? You think there's uh, something brewing? 
Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I haven't seen us being linked with any right back. So um, my, my knowledge of right backs amongst world football isn't that great. I'm sure there's a gem out there somewhere um, who could kind of do everything I, I said they wanted to do. You could play as a false fullback or be bombing up and all this kind of thing. If we play for three, you know, then maybe they could, you know, do the lopsided asymmetrical thing um, that, that Arteta has been kind of implementing. But um, I'm a little bit with hindsight, I guess. Well, not even with hindsight at the time also, but the Suarez deal kind of reeked me. I, I, I hated it. I, I just didn't see where he kind of fitted in. Um, I, I thought that with all that Arteta was doing, he could convince, you know, uh, Maitland Nars to get on board and stay on board and to, um, and it looked that way, didn't it, with the last couple of games? It looked like, you know, big embraces and stuff. I think he used it on camera, caught on camera saying, yeah, my friend, you know, trusted me or thank you so much. I think he said, thank you so much. And so it kind of looked like there was a, a reconcile there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed because it kind of feels that like with Suarez coming in, um, you know, Maitland Niles kind of got shown the door. Or I don't know if Maitland Nars was already kind of angling for the door and then so they brought Suarez in. But that seems, you know, kind of kind of a bit unfortunate to me. Um I'd I'd like to have kept Maitland Nars, but I think at the minute we have to hold on then to Bellerin. That's like an absolute um must. Um hopefully he wants to stay. He's still got like three or four years left. He signed a massive contract, didn't he? But Bellerin? Yeah, and yeah, and the thing with Bellerin as well, like if you let him make the Niles go is is one thing. Um, I, you know, I can kind of understand, you know, the need to raise some cash that might be going elsewhere. But to let your whole right side go and put any faith in Suarez seems uh, ambitious. And yeah. it also takes a while to understand what Arteta's all about. I mean, it, it took us the best part of six months, right? So yeah, to yeah. you know, you're you're either going to have to bring in somebody that is already trained to that level of thinking, um, and even then, I think it, it would be a, a lot to adapt to. And I wonder whether that might be a bit of a bit of a silly move, uh, yeah, you know, a week out before the the, the community exactly. Should. And and I feel like this this is just a maybe more of a soft thing, but it feels like quite a lot of business to do. To, bearing in mind, we still got you know. A, a truckload of centre backs that we could probably do with moving on, um, moving on Bellerin and Maitland Niles, then bringing in Party. You know, I'd love, I would absolutely shit my pants if we brought in Noir. Oh my god, Noir, yeah. yeah, right. Um, and then you know, looking at maybe letting Lacazette go. You know, Juve uh, sniffing around. You know, so it just seems like quite a lot of business. I'm really fascinated to see kind of where that dust all settles. Yeah, and you know the you the, the player that we keep on f- f- that I feel a lot of people are not talking about is Sabios as well. You know, like we've we've gone through the ringer with Sabios. Right. Yeah. He started to look like a, a you know a really handy player for us, and now Madrid, who have got financial problems, are asking for I don't know, was it forty five million they wanted for him? Yeah, yeah. Now he's like you know the best player in the world to them, isn't he? So, um, which is which is super annoying because. It looked, or from the reports, it looked like Zidane couldn't wait to get a shot of him. And now, um, you know, they want the world for him. But, you know, hopefully you can work out something there because he, he looked like a great player playing in that kind of like 
sixth position, six slash eight on that right side uh, with Xhaka. Um, them two would put in a, a great shift. But I also do think we'll probably move on from that. Um, when Sabarov came, he was held in more as like your eight, I guess. Um, so how, again, fascinatingly, how does Arteta kind of answer that? Do, and, and what's your sense on it? Do you feel like we're moving from a back three to a four so we can have three in midfield? Or like, what's your kind of take on that as well? Because I guess that answers some of those questions as well. Well, I think that he, Arteta, is desperate to play a more expansive um, version of football next season. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any insider information on what shape he's going to play, but um, yeah. I, I think you know a lot of people are assuming that um, William is going to play in a ten, as mm-hmm. a ten versus um, playing more out on the left. And you know, so that'll be interesting whether we find that out um, for the Community Shield next next week. But he's, we really can't go into the season without a big reshape of that midfield group, mm. right? I mean, mm. it's it's Absolutely. a bit of a crime. The you know, we're all talking about how great Jacker has been since he came back into the side, and I agree. But the limitations are are there for everybody to see. We need um, athleticism, mobility, uh, more creativity. And I love, I love the, the being linked to players like Thomas Partey, who, who's you know has played in a, a very rigid, disciplined system that requires mm. a heavy work work rate. Like Oar looked fantastic for uh, Leon that finished seventh in League One, and um, mm. so it, it it will be interesting how they do it because they've got to do it quickly. And I, I think um, from everything that I hear, Arsenal do not have a lot of money. Like we even yeah. with the even with Europe, we, there is not a lot of money there. And I suspect that there is a lot of um, hope in what we can get for... I mean, it's great news that PSG are looking at Matteo Guendouzi mm-hmm. um, because I, I think that Leonardo is looking to Frenchify the squad, which, you know, sounds like when British clubs go crazy and spend <laughs> loads of money on the English premium. Yeah, right. And um, I, I, I think that there are... I think that we've still got some names that if we got cash... Could you know could bring could bring in enough money to do some good things? I mean, like Lacazette is a top player. You know, I know that he hasn't always looked great this season, but he's still a striker that can score you goals. Torreira, I mean, it hasn't worked out in the Premier League, but um, I think if he went back to Serie A, um, I think we could fetch a good price for him. So um, I, I think that a lot of it's going to revolve around how much money. Um, we can bring in because there's there's certainly not a cash pool like there was this time last season when we were out splurging on Nicolas Pepe. Oh yeah, and and, and the, there was that report, wasn't there? That um, to to do that, Raul moves forward some of the budget as well. So you know that didn't really work out. And then, um, well, I mean, you can't really say it hasn't worked out, but we didn't end up, I guess, where we needed to end up in order to replenish the the coffers this time round. And so. Yeah, it's, it's, um, we're left a bit short. So maybe maybe my only worry was that, you know, it seemed like a lot of business to try and get done in a short time to get it done. Uh, maybe now the shackles are off. Uh, Edu, um, and, uh, you know, he's, he looks like his son's his PR at the minute, isn't it? Taking pictures of him uh, while he's um, on the phone saying that he's working hard and all the rest of it. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, and another question, actually, I had, uh, which I find quite fascinating. There was a quote from Willian saying basically um, one of the reasons he joined Arsenal 
was he spoke to uh, Arteta and Arteta said he needs him for three years because he's going to win. He wants to win the Champions League while he's while he's there. Um, what did you what did you make of that? I think that that's probably one hundred percent accurate. I think, uh, and and this is what you know. This is I'd heard lots of good things about um, Arteta you know, well before he joined. Um, he hasn't come. And this is what I love about him. He hasn't come to Arsenal um, to return us to the top four. He's come mm. to make us Premier League champions. That's that's mm. the objective. That's what he's gearing everything around. Um, um, that's exciting for players because you know everybody wants to be part of a project that's got a lot of energy behind it. I mean, it, you, can you imagine what this summer would have been like if we'd lost the FA Cup final? You know, like yeah. the, the the momentum that we've got going into next season is really strong. Um, um, my one concern about um, comments like that is he's young he's going to want to get there as quick as possible and sometimes I worry that you know taking shortcuts in versus laying you know future facing foundations um could come back to bite us you know like yeah quarter of a million a week on William uh like I, I love him as a player I think he's very exciting but you'd be hard pushed to convince many people that a player like that is going to be, um, isn't going to degrade over three years. Exactly. Um, but then, you know, on the flip, on the flip side, you've got, uh, you know, Gabriel being signed, which is exactly the sort of player profile. And, it, you know, if, mm-hmm. if we go out and we add um, more players like that, um, I, and I'll be very excited, but what, like what I, from what I do and from what I hear the, the club is really, really excited about a lot of the young players that are coming through at the moment. Like they think the ESR is is going to be a superstar. Mm. Um, you know, everybody knows um, what Saka is all about. I mean, maybe Joe mm. Willock starts to um, develop and, and show why so many managers seem to have absolute faith in him. And then, you know, mm. you forget Martinelli will be back in November. Um, uh, so I, I think... Um, I, I think that if he gets a couple of good signings, if he addresses that midfield, I think top four is definitely on this season. And if we make the Champions League, you know, like I think he wants to get into the Champions League and be able to compete straight away. Yeah. Which is something, you know, like for 10 years, like I, I don't think we've qualified further than the last 16 of the Champions League since 2010-11 season or maybe Crazy. before. Wow. So you know, like we we were wow. we were existing, but we were kind of elite mediocrity. And I think Arteta's vision is that once we get to the Champions League, we do a Leipzig. Yeah, yeah. You were outstanding, by the way. Yeah, and you know, as, as a as as a, a budding sporting director, you know, you've got to look at that model and go, "Wow, this is this is strategic." Um, there's yeah. a clear purpose. There's a clear philosophy. There's a vision. There's a player profile. Like I, I, yeah. I, I was kind of hoping that Arsenal would move a little bit more in that direction. You know, we've got elite coaching. Mm. You know, grow your own talent like Leipzig have, but doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. I just hope that um, that Eddie's yeah. got the you know the wherewithal to, to to make it happen. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Two two points. I guess like with the. Um, kind of Arteta crow. I loved it and then I sat back and I thought I hope this is not at the detriment to anything else happening and I don't think it is at all uh, you know like you said with the planning with Gabriel 
Uh, I'm sure he'll make use of Saka as he has been doing. Um, you know, um, Willock, you know, whatever you may think of him, he's in and around the team. Um, you know, you've got the likes of ESR, like you say, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, Tutu, um, who's been on loan, he'll come back in. Hearing good things about uh, Maverick Panos as well on loan. So there's a whole lot of that coming through. Um, I, my only kind of fear was if you are as ambitious as we all know you to be, are you going to win the Champions League, I don't know, in the next three years and then be off and then you, you know, we're kind of left with half a plan um, and then we're left on how good are you, Edu? How good are you at your job? You know, we spoke earlier that some people just aren't good at their job. And we don't know that about Edu yet. Um, but how good are you at the succession planning and bridging that gap and the strategy and um, making sure that, you know, we're good and we're in those spots for the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. So um, that was my only kind of like, is there a bit of duality there? Um, and, you know, we have to have short term success um, whilst looking at the long term success. So I guess that's just I'm a bit, I've got my eye on that one. Um, yeah, I think uh, like I, I agree with that because um, Arsenal were interviewing managers like Pereira. We were considering yeah. Nuno. You know, there are all, all of these really. You know, I, I know Nuno's done a good job at Wolves, but like, let's be honest. Like, you know where his ceiling is, and it's mm-hmm. uh, we, we've we've lucked out on a good manager. I think mm. to a, to a certain degree. Um, you know, kind mm-hmm. of hangover from the Ivan Gazidis days. Um, and if he is as good as we think he's going to be, like there will be other clubs that come in for him um, at, at some point. You know, like people are talking about Barcelona. Uh, I'd be more yeah. worried about uh, you know Manchester City coming back in. I know they were devastated exactly. to lose him originally, um, and yeah. then and then what comes then, then what comes next? But hopefully Arteta. You know, I, I, the other thing about Leipzig that's always very interesting is that they. They grow their own players quite often, mm-hmm. but they also grow their own coaches, right? Yeah. Um, is it yeah. Zolt? Is it Zolt? Um, Zolt Low, um, the guy who's PSG assistant, uh, Bernd Zolt. Oh like, yeah, they they didn't buy him for a ridiculous transfer. Yeah, like, the he was the most expensive field, assistant right? ever. Yeah, two two million pounds. Um, you've got the um the guy uh Munchen Gladbach at the moment. I've forgotten his name. Yeah. Um, like they, they they churn through managers, and it's like I wonder if Arteta is going to be in a position where he's bringing through young coaches, and that we could create succession planning in the way that um, that Leipzig do. I mean, if if Edu was worth, if Edu is worth it, you know, his 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 wages, he'll be thinking about that. How can I develop coaches so that you know we keep the same system and vision in place after um, Mikel goes, whenever he does. Yeah, exactly, and that's just my my kind of my kind of thing. Um, I I don't know how good Edu is. Um, whereas you know, if we had a kind of um, you know a red ball model or something, you could kind of almost guarantee that uh, you know Edu's the man and he's got it all figured out, and uh, we can trust those at the top. And I uh, just going back to what you said, I think you're talking about um, not not Jesse Marsh, the other guy, Marco Rose, right? Marco Rose, yeah. Marco Rose, yeah. Um, so exactly, and, and those guys, and going back to what you were saying just before that as well about um, kind of Leipzig being the kind of model. I think the whole Red Bull franchise is super interesting, and even the um, the city, the city one as well, this kind of conglomerate of um, 
football clubs. I think that's probably going to be a way to go. I think um, we, we spoke in part one as well about um, uh, the, the Moneyball guy. I forget his name. Billy Bean, who's looking to Billy buy a Bean. Premier League club with Scudamore, Isn't right? He? Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and they've already got shares in, in a few other bits and pieces. So, you know, maybe they'll look together, they'll look to put together a bit of a, a portfolio with, again, that it just seems to be the way, doesn't it? I mean, we could probably have a whole other pod about the, the inner workings and, and the kind of all charts of football. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it, but it is, it just seems to be the way, right? You, um, you, you grow your own talent, you grow your own coaches, you test and break things, you, you go far. Um, if it doesn't work, you've got the next guy who coaches the under 18, uh, either at your club or one of your uh, sister clubs. Um, and away you go. Um, and you, you know, you, you build the whole franchise around one vision. And again, that's something I think we need to kind of hear from Edu. We've had a few bits from him kind of saying, uh, you know, uh, we're in a big process. I think that's his line, isn't it? We're in a big process. We're in a big process. But what is that process? Yeah, it's not quite obvious. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to sit down and see your kind of 20 slide strategic deck, but I do want to kind of see your, uh, slide three, which is the overview, and it's a bit vague, but something you can all kind of get by, you know. Um, so it'd be really interesting. What's the style that we want to play? If Arteta does go, you know, we need a manager that can fit the style that Arteta has kind of brought in. Um, how easy is that? You know, uh, what were you looking to do? Um, you know, the likes of, of of Leipzig are really into this verticality. Do we have the team to do that yet? Probably not. Will we have next season? Maybe not. Maybe it's a window too soon. Maybe we need a couple more. So absolutely like super fascinating stuff. Um, I feel like you're the right person to, for me to geek out with this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, so. <laughs> we, we should do a pod on that because uh, uh, it's been it's been great having you on the show. Um, I, I, I think uh, I, I think that, that that point about communication particularly in sport and you know I don't work in PR I work in advertising but I think people yeah. in PR say if you don't communicate with people around what you're doing they fill the gaps themselves something oh, yeah. along the lines and I, I feel like it, with Raul it was like what are you doing and then mm-hmm. we hunted around to look at what he was doing and it looked like a mess and it was a mess mm-hmm. because there was no mm-hmm. real plan and now now Edu has to step out of the shadows and say like this, this is what the five-year plan is between uh, Arteta and myself. This is the sort of football we're trying to play. This is the profile of player that we're trying to build, and this is what mm-hmm. we're doing at every level to improve how we operate. Because mm-hmm. big clubs do that. Ralph Ranick, you know, there's a brilliant article in the Blizzard. Um, if you type Ralph Ranick and and the Blizzard, it he oh. outlines his philosophy and his vision and how they you know how they do things differently, and it's just such a clear read. And you're like, if everybody understands what we do and how we're doing it. Everybody knows their roles and, you know, everybody's pulling in one direction. I don't think Arsenal mm. have been pulling in one direction for a long time. And Arteta is that kind of, that 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 personality. He's like, a you know, our mini Klopp. But you you really need yeah. to have a, you know, is it um, Martin Edwards that's uh, Liverpool? Yeah, 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 at Liverpool, exactly. Yeah, where's the, where's the counterbalance? Because having a, a, you know, I don't want, as much as I champion Arteta, I don't want to go back to a situation where we're dependent on a manager again. I would like an infrastructure that, that lasts beyond, you know, whatever Arteta does. Absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the key. I think hopefully, 
you know, maybe once the transfer window shuts and he's a little bit less busy and, you know, by then we'd have already played a few games. So um, we're either very happy or we're completely pissed off or maybe we're somewhere in between, who knows. Um, but it would be a very good time then to kind of, like you say, come out, be super clear. Um, and I think even even Vinay spoke about it, didn't he? Um, which it, to me was a very interesting point for him to mention in his first kind of address about communication. Um, so hopefully there's, there's, you know, uh, I know a lot of people kind of got laid off, but hopefully there's still some really cool, excited um, communications people at the club who who um, can put together, you know, something like that. Because I'd be I'd be fascinated to kind of see it, and even with like you say, if you don't communicate it, you kind of make the gaps up yourself. And with all these kind of restructuring and letting go of scouts and bringing in new coaches, and um, I think even like the uh, football operations guy got let go. So I guess me and then the likes of, of of you as well, who are kind of looking at those things, going, "What does that? What does that mean? How do we? How does that set up? And what does that mean long term?" Does that mean we're a bit more like this or like that or, you know, what have you? So it'd be great for um, someone just to come out and tell us, really. Um, and then like, and then I guess the the the, uh, the result of that is, like you say, you um, fill in the gaps, but that also kind of gets that horrible kind of fan divide, doesn't it, where some people are filling in the gaps and they're seeing, you know, something completely different to someone else is seeing and then you get a bit of fan divide. I see people saying, oh, you know, Raul was actually did a great job, um, you know, taking the side of Kier and saying, you know, the last guy, look what he brought in and all the rest of it. So hopefully, hopefully it's uh, a lot more, a lot more straightforward come the end of the transfer window. And when Edu's a little bit less busy, like I say, he can, he can sit down with some cameras and, and talk us through it. Give us what we need. Give us what we yeah, need. Exactly. Right. Well, um, I think that that, that about concludes our uh, podcast Dom it was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast I'd love to have you back again oh man I absolutely would love to come back I think like I said when we first started speaking I uh I listened to your podcast quite a lot so I'm happy to to, to jump on whenever need never needed um and uh yeah I could keep you updated with how things go with the course and all that kind of stuff and um thanks for having me man yeah we'd uh let's uh let's have a geek out session again uh thank you for joining good luck with the course and uh, right. we'll speak to you again soon. Ciao Love that. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner, I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. 
And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.